eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, I want to start there because the Orlando Brown Jr. question is one that's going to nag me. And it might, I don't know if it's only me, and I understand some of the explanations, but I want to get to those explanations. Let's start with the news. Overnight, Orlando Brown Jr. signed a four year, $64 million contract with $43.5 million guaranteed with the Cincinnati Bengals. 31 of it, 31 million in a signing bonus. Up front. That's a lot of money up front. It's a, it's a uh, contract that I, I expected to be bigger, frankly, yes. in terms of size and, and what the projection was because of the, the accomplishments that he brought to the table. We don't know some of the you know, demands he might have made about playing on one side or another, but we do know based on reporting league-wide and what we're aware of, but talking to some people too, that the Jets and the Steelers were the other two teams in on Orlando Brown Jr., not the Bears not the team that has the the biggest need at offensive tackle. And obviously, so that today, let's go back to Ryan Poles at the podium. He was asked about the suggestion that scheme might have, the lack of a scheme fit might have contributed to the decision and the thought process in pursuing Orlando Brown Jr. You were with the Chiefs when you guys traded for Orlando Brown. Yeah. He was one of the premier free agents in this class. Mm-hmm. You guys need help on the offensive line. His number came in fairly reasonable. Mm-hmm. Why was that not in play for you guys or not a fit for you guys? Yeah, I'm not going to get into the specific player, but, you know, the scheme match is a, is a big deal there. The scheme match is a big deal there, Dan. Where were you standing when he said that, and what is your t- initial reaction to that? Front row, second seat from the left, <laughs> facing the podium. I thought it was a really well-asked question by Jason Leeser. You know, he, he laid out the yeah. context of it all yeah. and, and and got right to it with Ryan. I mean, I understand that they're looking for a specific match at that position for, for, for this. But look, like, again, you went into free agency with a bunch of, of guys on the top shelf. And, and, and we know that they swung at McGlinchey, and we know they didn't connect with McGlinchey. And so, so, so you have to have um, – an eye on upgrading that position at some point, because again, as we sit here on Thursday afternoon and uh, everything's unfolding, you're still looking at an offensive tackle group right now. That is Braxton Jones, Larry Borm and Kellen Deesh. You know, at some point, and I get it, they're going to be able to draft somebody. You're going to be able to take advantage of second and third waves of free agency, but my God, I would not be sleeping at night if I'm 
trying to put Justin Fields to a, you know, $300 million test in 2023, trying to see what, what he has and whether he's worth paying all that money long-term and, and having that be my offensive tackle rotation and group. It, obviously it, It's not going to be right. Like we no, know that, but, but I know that I guess what I, I still remain, it's, it's a little dissatisfying or I feel like it's unresolved in my head yeah. because these aren't teams that were pursuing him that are bad teams. The teams he's coming from aren't bad organizations. So my thought is that, okay, if this is a, a very specific scheme issue that he doesn't fit, it's a, it's a square well, like peg he, in a round he, hole. Uh, how, he, how is he just that crossed the, the bridge from Kansas City to Cincinnati, right? Like the two yeah. teams that are that are competing for Super Bowls, and they both felt felt good enough with or, them. Or, or they felt like even though they're married to their scheme, that there can be tweaks and adjustments, or he can be coached in a way that overcomes these limitations. If you even want to call them limitations, they certainly haven't limited his earning power and career. Now you can make the argument that something got in the way of him sizing the signing the kind of contract we expected him to. But let's face it, he's still a very highly accomplished and decorated offensive tackle who is a free agent on the open market, and the Bears chose not to pursue him. And we're supposed to trust Ryan Poles' better judgment here, and I want to do that. And I think he's made some really good decisions along the way. But it's not carte blanche. It's okay to disagree here. It's okay to support that disagreement with what I just discussed. It doesn't make any sense to me, Dan. Neither did this comment from Ryan Poles, and I don't think we have the audio, but I want to read it to you, and I want, I want you to tell me what you thought when he said this, quote, I think you can get in trouble if you go heavy with the biggest need and you fire away there and you let really good players walk away because you're too stuck on where you need to get players. Edmonds and Edwards, the linebackers he's talking about, are really good and at the top of their position. That's in reference to why the linebackers were pursued but it also, I have a hard time understanding that premise because he's saying that you can get in trouble if you go heavy and you address your biggest needs in free agency and you ignore the good players. What is the purpose of free agency if not to address your biggest needs? I think philosophically what Ryan is saying makes sense in many years in that like you don't want to be so blinded by need that you let good players at other positions go by the wayside because they don't fit your biggest area's needs. But we stressed for months that the whole reason that Chicago was gaga over uh, losing 14 games and getting rid of every good player on their roster is because they were going to have an opportunity to have full flexibility and full opportunity. They didn't have to go down one, one lane. They could go down three or four lanes at once. They could go through the buffet and, and bring three plates back to the table because they were going to be able to choose off of so many different, uh, you know, platters so to speak and so like like that the, the answer you read there was why uh after stressing that the need was for offensive line defensive line and corners in in january did the first two big signings of of monday come from the linebacker table you know in the middle of your defense and so that was ryan's answer and so i get what he's saying big picture on like you don't want to be so blinded by need that you let a tj edwards or trey main edmonds get away but the, it wasn't a one or the other here like you could have had Tremaine Edmonds and still gone and signed a, a, a top shelf tackle. See, there, there was nothing that prohibited that on offense or defense. You could have signed a top shelf 
tackle right and, and, and they didn't and, and so, so, so you're left and, and like, like so to, to the other point you used a good word a couple minutes ago and it was unresolved and I'll be forthright here I'm not an offensive line expert and I rely on people that I know that know a lot more about that position than I do to help inform me and so I've got homework over the next couple months to talk to people about scheme match and and at what point does does talent level uh, supersede scheme match and, and and your ability to work with things. And we're just going to have to dig around a little bit and figure out why, um, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals felt really good about Orlando Brown. The bears didn't. And, and certainly the Cincinnati Bengals can go to the starting gate of protecting Joe Burrow, uh, feeling a lot better than, you know, Larry Borum and Kellen Deesh as your, your current, uh, top well, line guys. Well, that's, that's, it. That's, it. That, that's it for me too. I mean, it, it's a case of, where guys who are in the business and guys who have worked in the NFL and they can point to even fans who don't agree with you, they're going to say, you know, you're not an offensive line expert. And what do you know? And, I'm not. And, I'm, I'm, I'm not, happy but, to say that. It, right. And, and but, I, but I think what you do when you try to gather information or, or you just ba- rely on your own experience is you look at you look at things that connect Orlando Brown Jr. If he was a bad scheme fit for the Bears and the Bears are identifying this as a problem. Okay, but what was it about the other organizations, the two others that he excelled for and won with, and the Cincinnati Bengals, who were basically now a perennial Super Bowl contender, and the Steelers that were pursuing him as well? Well, don't forget he also played for the the, the Baltimore Ravens when Lamar Jackson was winning MVP awards. So, so yeah, he he played for Lamar in an offense like Lamar Jackson when he won the MVP in 2019. Justin Fields is here. I, I, it doesn't really – to me, it sounds like an excuse. It just does. And, and I, I respect – yeah, I respect where people are coming from. Um, and I just think that it's okay to question these decisions because you want the Bears to succeed and every move to look like a genius one doesn't mean <laughs> it is. So, well, well, David, I mean, like I am – 100% behind you on that topic. And th- th- that's why this week has been strange for me. I had someone say to me on Thursday, no, Wednesday evening, I lose track of the days here. Today's Thursday. Uh, on Wednesday evening, that you got to understand that the Chicago Bears tore down a 6-11 and football team, right? A 6-11 football team that was 8-8 eight and eight two years before they tore it down. And right now, if you went position by position and tried to figure out what on the current roster is in better shape than it was for an eight and eight and six and 11 football team, you're not going to find very much. Right. And so that, that leads back to the point that, Oh my God, like they just have so much work to do. And you know, some of the, the, just the premature crowning of, of the moves for, for this week has just, it's just baffled me in some circles where you're like, what, what, what am I missing here? And so we'll just continue to progress again. We'll get okay. to May 2nd. We'll yep. see a 90 man roster at that point. We'll be able to agree with Ryan polls at that point and say, correct. You didn't fix everything. You promised you couldn't fix everything. You didn't fix everything. Now here are some of the potentially fatal flaws that are still on your roster for 2023. And what do they mean for this team? Um, but look like, right. Like they, six guys came in the building today and we don't know how many of these guys will finish the contracts they just signed. Exactly. That's free agency, right? That's a free agency. That's a good point. Sorry for the digression. Let's keep moving ahead. And I'll get through this next few things a little bit quicker. So Ryan Poles, because of the flexibility that he now has, maybe by necessity or design, we'll wait and see. But he talked about the different offensive line combinations. I thought it was very interesting, Dan, as we, before we hear what he has to say. 
Cody Whitehair at center is a possibility. Braxton Jones locked in at left tackle in all likelihood. But this is what Ryan Pohl sounded like when talking about the various combinations. For the O-line, I'll stick to this. You know, we're going to put the best front five up there. Um, but I also think there's some flexibility in some conversations where Cody could work some center. He's got almost 4,000 snaps there, had some good seasons there. Um, so we're going to move it around a little bit and see if we can get that the best like front three possible. So Nate Davis came in today, David, and, and said that the last time he played left guard was in college at Charlotte. So it's a long way back. You wouldn't think that you would give a guy $30 million on a three-year contract to make a position change. So Nate Davis is coming here to be your starting right guard. Okay, well, the guy who was kind of in that role toward the end of last season was Tevin Jenkins. Do you want to shift him over to left? Okay, if you shift him over to left, now that bumps Cody back inside the center. Ryan's end comment there was kind of, look, like we're trying to find the best combination of three on the interior center and both guards, and we'll, we'll move those pieces around with some other people in the mix, maybe a Lucas Patrick, maybe a draft pick, maybe a Jatiri Carter, and figure out what works best there. But it's another example of, man, you've still got a lot of work there and a lot of piece reshuffling to do to stabilize a very important piece for the 2023 Chicago Bears, which is trying to make Justin more comfortable. I don't think he was asked this directly, but Tevin Jenkins does have experience at right tackle. And you wonder, is he a potential option at right tackle? Because as we've talked about, they only have three under contract. They may draft one at number nine, but what do you think about him moving to right tackle? So here's a couple of things. Number one, that was one of about four questions that we didn't get to on my checklist this morning because Ryan had to get in and out so fast for some reason. You know, scratch my head on that. But Tevin Jenkins, as you understand, got bumped inside the guard last year because he was struggling a little bit at tackle. There's another misperception within the Chicago Bears fan base on how much of an answer Tevin Jenkins is at offensive line. And I don't know where it comes from, David, because I'm going to ask you right now. After two seasons, remember, the Bears traded up in 2021 to get Tevin Jenkins at the top of the second round. And there's been 34 games that the Bears have played since Tevin Jenkins became a member of the organization. How many of those games do you think he's played more than 50% of the offensive snaps in? That's a really good question. I wouldn't, I would say less than half. Give me a number. Uh, of game that he's played more than 50% in, 10. 11. Right. So we've got two seasons and we've got 11 games in which Tevin has not been on the field for more than half the time that the offense has been on the field. So there is nothing here that says, oh, Ryan Poles, Ian Cunningham, go to sleep at night, locking Tevin Jenkins in. There, there, there's, there is nothing that says that his availability and his durability is suddenly going to become something where he's there for 17 games for the long haul. So, look, he's going to be given an opportunity to start. He's going to be an op given an opportunity to compete. I don't think they see him moving back outside the tackle. It's something we're going to follow up on in the next couple of weeks here uh, when we get a little more time with Matt and, and Ryan in, uh, in Arizona at the owners' meetings. But, like, just take a breath and take a step back when you're talking about Tevin Jenkins and understand that for this regime, the ability to stay on the field, the ability to be, you know, consistently available and durable and reliable is paramount to what they want to do going forward. And Tevin certainly has not checked that box through two seasons. And Braxton Jones certainly has in one, the fifth round draft pick out of Southern Utah. His durability was one of his greatest assets as a rookie. He has a lot to work on. He's got to get in the weight room, live there and take that next step. But let's face it, there's an opportunity in the draft at number nine to take one of two guys who probably project as a left tackle. More ideally, Paris Johnson Jr. could be a guy who you envision playing left tackle. You draft at nine, you'd probably want to keep him there. You wonder if they would move 
Braxton Jones to the right side. Peter Skronsky, uh, lesser so perhaps, although some people will tell you that the arm length issue is overstated. Doesn't matter. The point is, is that right now Braxton Jones is the left tackle and would Ryan Poles be willing to move him if they drafted somebody or traded for somebody or signed somebody. This is what he had to say when asked about Braxton Jones. You know, for a young rookie from, you know, Southern Utah to start and play every snap, you know, I thought he did some really good things. We expect growth and development from him. Um, he's working out, getting bigger, stronger. Um, so right now, you know, he's the starting left tackle. Uh, if we create competition and, and move guys around to see what the best five is, that's what we'll do. Right now. Yeah, and, and, right and, now. and brought up the idea of moving things around, you know. Um, look, I mean, like, I think we understand that for the Chicago Bears to take a encouraging step forward in 2023, they are going to have to be a lot better on the offensive line and the defensive line. And right now, right now, <laughs> to use Ryan's words, there is nothing that indicates that they're going to be any better at either of those positions. Again, we still have six more weeks until they, they stabilize their, you know, most of their roster going into OTAs. But my God, I don't feel good about either side of the ball when you're talking about the trenches. Wow, that's a little deflating, but I think that I can't argue with that because you did come into free agency wanting to address what were our priorities we've been harping on in this podcast and everywhere else offensive and defensive tackle, offensive and defensive line, start from the ball on out. It gets repetitive and redundant, and yet it remains unaddressed. So I think that's going to be something to keep an eye on uh, 